This is Instant Game Reaction, an immediate look back at the Colts' latest game. He's at the 10, he's at the 5, looking for the pylon, touchdown, Jonathan Taylor, a run of 23 yards to Pater. They'll walk it upfield, it's intercepted, picked off by the Colts, and it's Darius Leonard. Wentz throws upfield into the end zone, sack, Pascal, touchdown, touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Now, here's your host, J.J. Stankovitz from Colts.com. Hey everyone and welcome into another edition of Colts Instant Reaction here on the Colts Audio Network. I'm JJ Stankovitz joined by Colts Ring of Honor member Bill Brooks to break down the Colts 41-15. Yes, you heard that right. 41-15 win over the Buffalo Bills on Sunday in Western New York. And Bill, there's nowhere else to start here but with Jonathan Taylor and the record-setting game that JT put up five total touchdowns. That is a Colts record. 32 carries for 185 yards. He had the four touchdowns on the ground, one through the air. And when you watched what Jonathan Taylor did today on those 32 carries, Bill, after the game, he he deflected all, any sort of spotlight. He was just like, look, this was us, this was us. It was kind of a we, not me mentality. When you watched it, how did the Colts owning the line of scrimmage from the jump allow them to continue to pound the ball the way they did with Jonathan Taylor in this game? Well, I think it, it allowed them to continue to do it because Buffalo did not have an answer for JT in the offensive line. Uh, Buffalo, there's nothing that Buffalo did or tried to do that could stop JT. They put some uh, extra people up at the line of scrimmage to try to stop the run. They couldn't do it. Um, JT just kept on going and going and going and, I really believe if this game was close, JT could have ran the ball 40 times today and not and not been tired. I mean, he was just going and going and going. And just one time he came out at the end of the game, I think it was, might have been his last, not his last run, but maybe second to last run that he kind of waved to the sideline and that was it. But the man was just nonstop. He was just going to go and go and go and go. And he just kept on running and, 5.8 yard average for per carry. I mean, that's unbelievable for a young man like that. And as you said, he deflected a lot. It's about wee, wee, wee. That just shows you the type of person he is, the type of um, teammate he is, and the type of character he has. It's all, for him, it's all about the team and how well everyone is doing. And he knows his success depends on the offensive line and other play, people out there. And he's just been a great, great, great young man for the organization, great teammate, and just a superb, superb running back. I thought it was really great. If, if you go and watch the video we put out on Colts.com and on the Colts Twitter account of Frank Reich's victory speech, like when he gives the ball to Jonathan Taylor, he gives the game ball to JT, you can tell like JT's like, hey, this means a lot to me. But like he then goes into the whole, you know, it's 1-0, and it's a mountain climb. He clearly has bought into Frank Reich's messaging. And then he, he talks about we – all the time. It's we, we, we. He gets a little shout out there for Salem High School in New Jersey, his <laughs> alma mater that won a state title uh, this week. Maybe the, since the, the last state title, since they had Lydell Mitchell on their roster. Um, crazy to think two of, the, two of those great Colts running backs have come from the same school. But yes. you, you can just see, like, he, he's he's uncomfortable. And, right, you know, Frank Reich talked about that. Like, he, he's uncomfortable with that. Because it's all about the team. It's all about winning. You know, multiple players have said he, JT doesn't care if he gets 40 carries or two carries as long as the Colts win the game. 
and he's the reason why the Colts are winning games right now, but you wouldn't know it by just looking at him. You know, Carson once said you could pass him in the supermarket. You wouldn't know he's a superstar NFL player. He's just a down-to-earth guy. I think that's his personality. I don't think he wants to be anything else but that, someone that's down-to-earth. And, you know, he, he's, he's a very humble guy, and it probably uh, embarrasses him a little bit to get all their recognition and praise and, and things of that nature. So he probably wants to deflect it as much as he can. And it keeps him humble, and he keeps on just playing well. And I know his teammates love him, and they like that about him as far as him being a humble individual and just going out there working and working day in and day out. And that's what a leader does. You know, a leader doesn't have to say a lot. All he has to do is go out there and, and, and play and play hard and prepare well and, and practice hard and help his teammates uh, be successful. And that's who Jonathan Taylor is. And I think, I really think that all the recognition uh, kind of embarrassed him a little bit and he just wants to deflect it and <laughs> give everything to his teammates. All right, so let's let's take a dive into what JT did today because the the Buffalo Bills defense, Bill. I mean, they, they were the best defense in the NFL coming into today. They allowed 15 points per game. They were allowing 3.8 yards per carry. That was third best in the NFL, allowing a league low 29% third down conversion rate. They had only allowed two runs of 20 or more yards all season, and one of those was a scramble by Patrick Mahomes. And Jonathan Taylor came in today. He, averaged, he was averaging 5.8 yards per carry entering week 11. He averaged 5.8 yards per carry in week 11. Like, <laughs> how many times can we say Jonathan Taylor, oh, he's facing a really good defense, it's a big test, with, without knowing that he's going to pass the test? Because Jonathan Taylor, it, it doesn't matter what defense is in front of him, he is still making these same plays week in and week out, and... That Buffalo front, I know Tremaine Edmonds didn't play. I know Star Lele didn't play. But they're a really, really good, disciplined front. And Jonathan Taylor, by the end of the game, Bill, th this is what I want to get into here. By the end of the game, Jonathan Taylor was breaking tackles left and right against a Bills team that's really good at tackling. So you've been in games, you know, whether it was Eric Dickerson or some of the other greats you played with. When you're able to impose your will the way the Colts were on the ground today, how does that play out over the course of a game when you're you're just winning up front, you're winning at the line on every single snap? Well, what happens is I think what you just said earlier, no one wanted to tackle Jonathan Taylor because their will was broken already. By the end of the game, end of the game, the people wanted to just, hey, look, I hate to say this, but the, I don't think they want to say no mas, but I think <laughs> I think they were close to saying that. They just didn't want to tackle Jonathan Taylor anymore because Jonathan Taylor, even though he is so fast, he's still a strong, strong running back. And he he puts a hit on people when they come up to try to tackle him. He, he, he punishes them a little bit. So after a while, after you keep on banging on somebody, banging on somebody, after a while, you know what? You really don't want to tackle him. And give the offensive line credit. They went out, they imposed their will on the defensive line and as well as the linebackers. And when they do that on a play in and play out, all the times the, the Colts ran the ball, they ran the ball, what, 46 times? When you continuously do that, that wears on the defense. And after a while, you really don't want to be, be in the game anymore because you're getting beat up. And so 
I think the office give credit to the offensive line and give, of course, credit to Jonathan Taylor for, you know, running the ball and running at people and, and running around people and doing all the things that defenses don't like. And um, he just he just played a wonderful game. And defense, I mean, the offensive line did a great job against the Buffalo Bills defense. I thought the play that set the tone was the first touchdown that JT had because on that you got Jack Doyle coming across the formation and he he lays into 305 pound defensive tackle Harrison Phillips and I mean cleanly blocks him on that play but then when JT took that handoff bill it was like he was at full speed when the ball got in his hand I mean he was he was coming downhill on that play and you look at it Tredavious White he's out there I mean, we're talking about an all-pro corner here. Tredavious White is out there. He meets Jonathan Taylor at about the one-yard line, and JT just goes right into him, right past him. I mean, it it was it was that was one of those. I stood up, I was like, oh, all right, the Colts they're bringing it today. And I think the Bills, the you wonder if the Bills kind of got that sense too on that first play. I think a lot of people underestimate uh, Taylor's size and strength and speed. And Tredavious White, he he went on for a little ride there with JT. <laughs> JT took him into the end zone there, and that touchdown. And I'm sure Tredavious White said, "Oh man, this guy's a little stronger and powerful than we actually thought." And because he doesn't look that imposing when you look at him in person, but when he starts to run and how hard he runs, I'm sure all those defensive backs and linebackers realize that this is a powerful young man. So JT just he just <laughs> He just amazes me every week thus far. He's just just a young man that's getting better and better every week. I said that last week, um, but I didn't think he'd get much better than he already has. But he is getting better, and he's running harder, and he's he's running over people. And I'm just a big fan of JT because he is a humble young man that works hard and works hard. And you like to see good things happen to young people like that that just goes out there and works and is a great teammate. And all he cares about is what's best for the team. So. To the, the other run that kind of defined the game for me was the 40-yarder he had midway through the third quarter where, you know, it's first and 10, balls at midfield. And first of all, you know, the, the way the Colts blocked it up, Moelle Cox did a really nice job on that play, uh, kind of sealing off the, uh, the opening there. So did Mark Lewinsky. I mean, they read the whole offensive line. Um, and this is also with Quentin Nelson out of the game, so you had Chris Reed over there on the left side. But JT burst through the hole. He accelerates into the second level, and then there's Jordan Poyer going to tackle him. If Poyer tackles him, it's about a 15-yard gain. JT breaks that tackle, goes for another 15, 25 yards on that play, gets down to the 10-yard line, next play, 10-yard touchdown. That was that play where I was like, all right, you know, the, the, the Colts are in great position here because they have successfully, they've, they've taken the will out of the Buffalo Bills to play at that point. Oh, by far. When, you, when you're when you at the about 50-yard line and you take two plays to score and both of them running plays, that says a lot about your offense. And the defense is like, man, we're in for a long day if this is going to continue because that's what the coach did. The coach just kept on pounding the ball with JT outside, inside, whatever it was. And then a couple of times they, they did a little uh, jet sweep with Naheem Hines and he gets a big play here and there. So... They just, I mean, those plays that the Colts ran today were indicative of what the Colts have been working on and saying all year long. It's going to take time. Let's give us time. Give us time. And 
we'll get we'll get there we'll get there we'll get there and they did and today's the day with Jonathan Taylor just ran the ball ran the ball everyone always talked about well Jonathan Taylor doesn't get the ball that much well he got the ball 32 times today <laughs> as far as running the ball and he had over 180 yards so uh, the young man just no matter what you ask of him if you ask him to pick up blitzes he's going to do it you ask him to catch the ball at the backfield he's going to do it and you ask him to run the ball, he's going to do that as well. He'll do whatever it takes for this uh, team to win football games. Yeah, I, I thought, you know, the, the whole offensive line, you know, whether it was Mark Lewinsky, Braden Smith, Quentin Nelson, Chris Reed, Eric Fisher, um, Ryan Kelly, those guys all played at a really high level. But also want to give some love to Jack Doyle for the, the work he put in, not only in the run-blocking game, but he only led the Colts with three catches, but, like, Catching the ball today was not easy. It was not a given, as we saw with the Buffalo Bills having quite a few drops. And Doyle, just that reliable guy in his, what, eighth, eighth ninth year with the Colts. Um, you love seeing that out of him. Clearing the path for Jonathan Taylor, making a couple of key catches when the Colts need it. You, you, you know, we don't talk about Jack Doyle enough sometimes, but you really appreciate the kind of effort he gave today in this game. Yeah, Jack's one of those unsung heroes that, you know what, you, he might not show up in the box scores as far as catching eight, nine, ten passes and for, you know, 100 and some odd yards and a touchdown or two touchdowns here and there. But he's the guy that's going to make those wham blocks to, so uh -huh. that JT can get there and, and get, up the mail, get up the field and, and get those big yards. And, and Jack did that today. Did a nice job blocking out there today and, something that he does extremely well and doesn't mind doing it. Uh, of course, most receivers, tight ends, uh, backs want to score touchdowns, but, you know, Jack did his job, what he's supposed to do today as far as open up the holes, help open up the holes for Jonathan Taylor and the other running backs there, and he did a nice job. And, you know, uh, you talk about making it difficult. It's talking about it was difficult catching the ball today, you know, ask Dawson Knox. I mean, yeah. He, Dawson, Dawson Knox for the Buffalo Bills had a hard time catching the ball today. It wasn't easy. Uh, the, your gloves were wet. The ball was wet. It's windy. Uh, the ball's coming at you very hard. And ask Josh Allen. I mean, he didn't throw the ball that well today at all. Um, so it, it was difficult out there, but give the Colts credit. And uh, the Colts did a nice job of uh, playing in the elements today. Uh, Dawson Knox had – let's talk about the elements um, before I – you mentioned Wham. And I was – so I was listening to the radio broadcast with Rick Venturi and Matt Taylor, and they were running right – we were – Running wham so much, I was thinking someone was going to make a careless whisper reference. But, uh, no, no, no such luck. Uh, exactly. No George Michael in the Colts offense. But let, let's talk a little bit about the conditions, Bill, because they they were cold, they were wet, um, and the Bills the, the Bills had six drop passes. The Colts had one in this game. And I asked Jack Doyle after the game, like, did playing in San Francisco make you guys a little more prepared? And he said, you know, a little bit. It gives you a little bit of confidence going into this game. He then shouted out the Colts equipment staff, uh, you know, for always having dry towels on the sideline, getting them in the jacket, those, those big, uh, you know, Darth Vader jackets on the sidelines and all that. But the, the elements really did seem to kind of get to the Bills a little bit. And maybe it was one of those things, Bill, where things weren't going well early on, and then the elements just kind of compounded that. Um, you played in Buffalo. You know what those elements are like. D did you see that kind of get in the head of someone like a Dawson Knox who had three drops in this game? 
Yeah, I think it was a little reverse. I mean, when I played in Buffalo, it was the teams that were always coming in that, you know, once we try to get up on, once we got up on them early, you know, everything else bothered, started bothering them. Not just us, the Buffalo Bills, as far as the way we played, but the elements started bothering them. It got a little colder for them. You know, it was a little wetter for them. The field was too slick for them. All those things. So, and I think what happened with the Buffalo Bills, which you would think they would want to take advantage of it since they played up there, that that's something that they're used to. That when the Colts got up on them early, 14 to nothing, it seemed like the elements were bothering them more than it was bothering the Colts. And that was unusual for me to see that uh, for a Buffalo Bills team. But you know, those guys, they didn't handle they didn't handle it that well. You know, they on the um, on a kickoff return and McKenzie dropping the ball, mm -hmm. fumbling the ball there, and you know T.J. Carey picking it up and getting the ball over down to the two-yard line. So it looked like the elements bothered them. I remember Dawson Knox, one pass went off his hands. He looked at his gloves and kind of rubbed his glove on his shirt, and mm -hmm. they said that was his hands were wet. So usually that's uh, for the Buffalo Bills. It, it should be the other way around. But give the Colts credit. The Colts were used to it. Uh, I think uh, Frank Wright had talked about practicing in the windy conditions. Uh, in Indy here outdoors before they went up to Buffalo. So, you know, the Colts were prepared. They're ready for it. Playing in San Francisco also helped. You know, you play there. It was warmer. It was wet, but it was warmer in, in San Francisco. And they handled the elements very well, and they threw the ball extremely well in San Francisco. So I think that, as Jack said, that gave them some confidence that they can play in those type of elements and be successful uh, playing that way. Did you talk about that as players, like, on the sideline when the other team would have those kind of unforced errors. I mean, like that Isaiah McKenzie one on the kick return. Do you just talk about it? Like, we like go back to the sideline and be like, hey, they can't handle it. They can't handle it. Like, how did you approach that during games? Well, a lot of times if, if something like that happened or you, you see a player um, kind of let the, the cold weather or, or some type of weather, this rain, affect them as far as in their head or if they look like they're just cold or – they don't want to be out there wet. And you can kind of tell. Body language says a lot out there in the football field. And, you know, we could say, pick it up on the sidelines and say, hey, guys, they don't want to be here. Let's, let's finish this game off right now. They really don't want to be here. You know, sometimes in the third quarter you can see that the team is not playing well and the elements are getting to them, that their body language shows that, hey, they don't want to be here. They're ready for the game to get over with. And we'll say, hey, let's send them home early. Let's send these guys home early and let's finish this game off. And, and uh, that way they can go home early and we can finish this game and be done with it. So the, the, switching over to the what the Colts' defense was able to do, obviously three takeaways on defense, the one on special teams stand out. But something that uh, George Odom and Kenny Moore II talked about after the game was that the big key for the Colts was to successfully rotate George Odom and Andrew Sandejo, which, by the way, we're talking about two backup safeties here. But get them rotating and disguise all these two high looks they were playing. Josh Allen didn't have an answer. I mean, he he did not have an answer for the Colts' defense in this game. There, you know, obviously a couple drives where things worked out, but for the most part, I mean, we're talking about a guy who threw those interceptions and did not look at all like the dynamic MVP front-running quarterback that he's been this year. Um, you know, just looking at pro football focus, their initial grades, this was Josh Allen's uh, second lowest graded game of the year behind only that week six, week nine game against the Jaguars. And I, I thought, just in a general sense, Bill, that the Colts were able to come up with this defensive game plan, 
against a dynamic offense that was getting healthier. I know they didn't have you know Spencer Brown at right tackle, but getting Dawson Knox back in this game, um, for what Matt Eberflus is able to do with two backup safeties, to rotate them and have them play disciplined football and have George Odom pick off a pass and probably pick off another? Um, <laughs> I mean, yes. that, that, was, that was just so impressive what the Colts were able to do today in the back end. Yes, it was. And, and I think all day, to be honest with you, looking at Josh Allen, he looked confused, a little lost today. He didn't look like the Josh Allen that I've seen before where he's throwing the ball and he's playing with confidence and he's, his body language shows that he's ha- he has confidence in what's going to happen out there, that he knows he can get the ball to Stephon Diggs or Cole Beasley or, or, or Dawson Knox, for that matter. And, uh, but it just didn't, he just didn't look very comfortable out there. And I think a lot of it has had to do with those guys disguising. He just wasn't comfortable with what was happening because you saw a lot of times when he threw the ball, especially on that George Odom pick that, you know, George Odom was right. There was a George Odom and someone else was right there uh, with the receiver. And the same thing on the Kenny Moore interception. Kenny Moore was right there with Kenny, uh, with uh, Xavier Rhodes. So I, I just think that he didn't look comfortable and give, give a, uh, Give the Colts credit. Uh, whatever uh, Matt Eberflus came up with, he did a nice job of, of disguising things, uh, having the guys disguise things to confuse uh, Josh Allen for him to not feel comfortable back there. And then another thing surprised me is them not running the ball that much. Yeah. And, and that, that really surprised me. I, I thought they would run the ball a little bit more than what they did. But unfortunately, well, let me say, fortunately for us, that it didn't happen that way, but unfortunately for them, I, I thought they should have ran the ball a little bit more and kind of mixed things up a little bit more. But I think maybe getting behind so early, they felt that they had to throw the ball. I, you know, I think, Bill, a lot of times with coaches, you get really thrown off your game plan when you're not winning up front and you get out to an early deficit. Like, you know, and the Bills are a very pass-heavy offense. They are the most pass-heavy offense on neutral downs in the NFL. I mean, they throw it – like essentially on downs where you could run it or pass it, they throw it like 70% of the time. It's not even close. But in a game like this, you know, where the conditions aren't great, um, you've got talented backs. Devin Singletary is a good running back. He only had three carries for 17 yards today. Matt Breida came in five carries for 51 yards, but he was kind of out of hand at that point. Mm -hmm. And, and Josh Allen dropping back as much as he did. I mean, that this was a game though where I want to give credit to the Colts defense, really yes. the entire team, the the defense, the offense, special teams for taking Brian Dable, one of the best offensive coordinators in the NFL, just taking him out of his rhythm and taking him out of his game plan. Because I think if he went back and looked at this, he might say, "Yeah, we probably should have ran it a little bit more." But in the flow of the game, sometimes it's hard for a play caller to go back to a run when you're not winning up front and you're down by. 14, 17, 21 points in the first half. Yeah, and, and when the runs that you call aren't successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when the defensive line is stopping the guys and they're getting one yard or two yards or, or getting stopped at the line of scrimmage for that matter and not getting anything, you kind of say, okay, this play didn't work, so more than likely we're not going to come back to this play. Or if we do, we, we'll try it maybe one or two more times or give them a different look and see how it works then. But I just think being – I think – just think the Colts getting up early on them really, really hurt them. And I've known they've, uh, I think I heard Josh Allen talking about it before, that they really, really like to get up early on teams. And mm-hmm. that's something that they, they have done in the past. 
uh, I get up early because I don't think, I think if I'm not mistaken, um, on the McDermott, I think if, you know, usually if they're up at halftime, they have some ridiculous win percentage, high win percentage of how many games they win when they're up at halftime. And I think today they run up and probably panicked a little bit, I think. They panicked a little bit and wanted to uh, throw the ball. And then for the Colts, that, you know, that's made them one-dimensional. And that's what you want to do with teams. You make them one-dimensional, then you can do certain things that uh, really even put them further back behind the eight ball uh, in the game. And I think the Colts did that today. So I just quickly want to go back to Jonathan Taylor here because as we're potting up, I've been kind of poking around some numbers. Mm -hmm. This is from Pro Football Focus. Jonathan Taylor had 11 runs against eight or more defenders in the box that (laughs) were not on goal-to-go situations. On those 11 runs, Jonathan Taylor gained 54 yards. That's an average of about five yards per carry against boxes that are designed to limit you to negative yards per carry, one yard per carry. I mean, if nothing else, this shows how good the Colts' offensive line and offensive front was and how good of a running back Jonathan Taylor is because to gain 54 yards on 11 attempts against stacked boxes, I mean, that that is that is a butt-kicking by the Colts' offense. By far, it's a butt-kicking by the Colts' offense and – Give the offensive line credit. You know, these guys are starting to – the guys are starting to be, get healthy and, and all of them are starting to play together, getting more time together. Uh, guys, you know, Kelly, Glowinski, um, Smith, Pryor, all those guys up there, Nelson. So all those guys are doing their job and, and, and making big plays and, of course, Fisher out there at tackle as well. So those guys playing together uh, – for a lot longer is making it easier for him. And then, of course, Jonathan Taylor. So I think the health of the offensive line, Jonathan Taylor playing well, those guys, they saw eight man's fronts, and it, it actually, they didn't flinch. Mm-hmm. You know, those guys did not flinch up front, and Jonathan Taylor didn't flinch, and neither did Carson Wentz. He, he saw those eight man's fronts up there. So he said, hey, you guys want to do it? If you can stop it, great. Yep. If you can't, which I don't think you guys can, we're just going to run the ball. And they couldn't. I mean, when someone averages a five yards, against the eight-man front. <laughs> That's, I mean, those are numbers that I've never heard of. Now, if someone said uh, they averaged about three yards, I'd say, right. That's great. Yeah. You, know, you have three yards against the eight-man front. You do that three times, you got nine yards, and, you know, you, it's, it's fourth and one, so you might go for it. But when you average five yards, that's – Goodness. That's saying a lot about the offensive line and the running back. Well, and it says a lot about the quarterback, too, because, as yeah. you mentioned, Carson Wentz is getting up to the line, and he's seeing – all right, got eight guys in the box. You know what, JT, take the ball because we're yep. going to win on this play. And that, that says a lot about the quarterback's confidence in his running back, the, the coaching staff's confidence in the running back, in the run game. I mean, I, I, I am just like sitting here being like, I can't believe what I just saw. Like my, my eyes, Bill, no one can see this because this is a podcast, but my eyes are like bulging when I pulled up this stat. I was like, how is this possible? Did I do this right? Am I like, did I, did I put in the wrong numbers here? But it's, I mean, and, and then all, by the way, all four of Jonathan Taylor's rushing touchdowns came with eight men in the box. All four. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, that, that right there, Bill, that's how you win 41 to 15 on the road against the Buffalo Bills. You also win by turning four turnovers into 21 points. The last one was Zaire Franklin picking off uh, Mitch Trubisky. Shout out to Mitch for giving me some 
uh, <laughs> some, some throwback memories to my old job covering the Bears. Um, throw, throwing that pick to Zaire Franklin. But, uh, you know, it, it, it was th- this is the kind of game where all three phases won in just resounding fashion. And it really just does speak to the buy-in this entire team has with the mantra Frank Reich has of going 1-0, you're climbing the mountain. Look, I know people listening to this may say, oh, well, that's stupid. That's just, you know, that's just, you know, some trite, whatever, athlete, coach speak, or whatever it is. But that's real. And these guys have bought into it. That's how you come back from 0-3 and 1-4 to go beat the Buffalo Bills 41-15. to and people might say it's coach speak and everything, and it is coach speak. I'm not going to say it's not coach speak. It is coach speak. But the thing is, those are things you have to get across to the young guys because it is one game at a time. You cannot do anything about game two weeks from now. only thing you can control is the game that's ahead of you right now. And today was the game against the Buffalo Bills. They can't think about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going on, uh, playing next week. They have to think about the game right now. And then you have to think about each play right now. And those are things you have to do. So you go you take each week as it comes. And as they say, it's 1-0. and Try to be 1-0 and this week and do the best you can. And they are buying into it. And that's what you need to do because right now, the way the Colts are and the way this all, all these teams are bunched together in the AFC is you only can take care of what's in front of you. You can't worry about what's going on somewhere else, what other teams are doing, if they're winning or losing. only thing you can control is what's in front of you. Worry about what's in front of you. Play that game. And the Colts did that today. They just focused on this game today. You know, there was a, that everything, out, everyone talking about, you know, the Colts having beat a winning team, and they're 0-8 and, and things like that. Well, it was true, but the Colts focused on what they could do today. They went out there today, played well, didn't give up a sack on offense. They had one, but they got a penalty. Buffalo got a penalty. Um, they did fumble the ball, but they recovered it. So they did a nice job out there playing pretty much mistake-free football. Special teams comes up with a big play again this week. Defense does a nice job. They get four turnovers. Offense scores. Uh, defense gets a turnover. Offense plays complementary football by taking three of those turnovers, scoring touchdowns with it. That's how you win football games, by doing that in all three phases. And if you could do that, for 60 minutes, which the coach did today, which was great to see them play the full 60 minutes, that's how you win football games. And that's what the Colts have to focus on here on out. All right. Well, we are going to focus on wrapping up this game and then next weekend's huge game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're going to have a lot of stuff coming to you here on the Colts Audio Network. Bill, you and Jeffrey Gorman sat down with Robert Mathis to talk about his career ahead of his Ring of Honor induction on Sunday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady. And then on Tuesday, that that podcast, Colts Reunion, will be out on Monday. On Tuesday, we'll have a new episode of the Colts official podcast with myself, Jeffrey Gorman, and Lara Overton. Again, looking back on this win over the Buffalo Bills and looking ahead to this huge game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Inside Football with Rick Venturi will be back on Wednesday to break down all things Bills and Bucks and Colts. And then Thursday, know your foe, Bill Brooks. You'll be back with Casey Vallier to talk about 
Sunday's game against Tampa Bay. All that and more on the Colts Audio Network coming to you this week. Anyways, for Bill Brooks, I'm JJ Stankovitz. You can follow me on Twitter at JJ Stankovitz. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the Colts Audio Network again to get all those great podcasts in your feed this week. It's going to be a big week around Indianapolis, and not just because Tom Brady's coming to town. There is a lot to get into with this win over the Bills and this upcoming game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Colts Instant Reaction. Again, I'm JJ Stankovitz, joined by Bill Brooks, and we will talk to you next time.